welcome to Baptist Perspective with Jimmy Barber. Whether you're listening while driving home from work, sitting with a hot cup of coffee, or making dinner, we hope this podcast will be thought-provoking and edifying. Now, here with today's episode is Jimmy Barber. Today we will address the issues of the Christian and civil government in their connection with war. The Confessions say, quote, So for that end they may lawfully now under the New Testament wage war upon just and necessary occasions. End of quote. The verse of Scripture referenced by both Protestants and Baptists in their confessions regarding this matter is Luke 3.14. This is where John the Baptist addressed the question of soldiers as to what they should do. It reads as follows, And the soldiers likewise demanded of him, saying, And what shall we do? And he said unto them, Do violence to no man, neither accuse any falsely, and be content with your wages. Before we consider this verse, it should be remembered that sin is the cause of all wars. While there are just wars. If it were not for sin, there would not be any wars. Equally, war is a horrible thing. There is no virtue in the death of men or in the maiming of bodies as a result of war, especially when often wars are created by wicked and unjust men who do so for industrial profit. That is another story which we cannot discuss at this time. Nevertheless, war is often demanded and is essential in the society in which we live. Many say that the Bible is against war and that all wars are wrong. Time will not allow us to do a detailed study on the subject of war, but I would like to bring a few passages from the scriptures to supply a brief introduction to the topic. First and foremost, the Lord is described in Exodus 15.3 as, quote, a man of war, end of quote. This is recorded in the song that Moses and the children of Israel sang upon the Lord destroying Pharaoh and his army in the Red Sea. The song further describes the judgment of God in the destruction of the Egyptians in verses 6 through 8. Quote, Thy right hand, O Lord, is become glorious in power, Thy right hand, O Lord, hath dashed in pieces the enemy, and in the greatness of thine excellency thou hast overthrown them that rose up against thee. Thou sentest forth thy wrath, which consumed them as stubble, and with the blast of thy nostrils the waters were gathered together, the flood stood upright as an heap, and the depths were congealed in the heart of the sea. In the first chapter of Numbers, God identified and counted the men who were to go to war. And in Numbers chapter 31, God instructed Moses to arm men to go to war against the Midianites, Numbers 31.3. Here we clearly see that God commanded war, and every Bible reader knows that there were many other times where God commanded Israel, as well as other nations, to go to war. As we know, God judged Israel several times by sending wicked nations to destroy them and take them into slavery and captivity. The people in the land of Canaan were destroyed 
in war due to the wickedness of the various tribes living there. In fact, God told Abraham hundreds of years before that he would not only judge Egypt, but that his seed would not inherit Canaan, quote, until the iniquity of the Amorites, end of quote, was full. Genesis fifteen fourteen through 16. A study of the scriptures show that when nations are involved in war, especially unjust wars, it is an indication of God's judgment on that nation. The nation may be conquering other countries, but ultimately it will be destroyed by the unjust hostilities. God hardened the heart of Sihon, king of Heshbon, to go to war against Israel so that he would be destroyed. Deuteronomy 2, 26-35 Later, during the time of the judges, God left some nations in Israel to teach war to the young men in Israel as well as to teach them to obey the Lord. Listen to the word of God. Now these are the nations which the Lord left to prove Israel by them, even as many of Israel as had not known all the wars of Canaan, only that the generations of the children of Israel might know to teach them war, at the least such as before knew nothing thereof, namely five lords of the Philistines and all the Canaanites and the Sidonians and the Hivites that dwelt in Mount Lebanon, from Mount Baal-Hermon unto the entering in of Hamath. And they were to prove Israel by them to know whether they would hearken unto the commandments of the Lord, which he commanded their fathers by the hand of Moses. Judges 3, verses 1 through 4. The scriptures teach us that war is in heaven. Revelation 12, verse 7. You might also compare Daniel 10, verses 1 through 13, and 1 Kings 22, 15 through 23. This pulls the veil back and gives us a scene in heaven where God allows a lying spirit that was sent to Ahab's prophets to persuade him to go into battle to be killed. Therefore, no Bible believer can say that the Bible condemns all wars following this short overview of the scriptures concerning war directly. I further believe that other passages support this principle as well as 1 Timothy 5.8 says, But if any provide not for his own, and specially for those of his own house, he hath denied the faith and is worse than an infidel. While this verse is teaching directly that widows should not be supported by the congregation when she has relatives that are capable of doing it, the principle of providing for the home is stated. Provision for the home or family is more than providing food, clothing, shelter, and etc., but it included protection from foreign invaders. Such intruders may range from dangerous animals to thieves and other aggressors. I know some of late have taught that if a man breaks into your house and assaults your wife, you should not do anything physically to protect or defend your wife. This is not only against the scriptures, but it is also against nature. 
Obviously, if an animal were attacking a loved one, any caring husband or father would stop the intruder. So likewise should those who act like brute beasts should equally be destroyed. Compare Second Peter 2, verses 12 through 13. If a home is to be defended from invaders, equally the homeland or country is to engage in warfare to guard and protect itself from the enemy. Now we will look particularly at our text under consideration. Again, Luke 3.14 says, And the soldier likewise demanded of him, saying, And what shall we do? And he said unto, unto them, Do violence to no man, neither accuse any falsely, and be content with your wages. As previously stated, this verse is referenced to support the confessions regarding civil magistrates waging, quote, war upon just and necessary occasions, end of quote. While this verse does not specifically mention waging wars, there is a truth affirmed by John that the soldiers may lawfully be in the army and still honor God in the kingdom of heaven. Also, I would like to take this opportunity to discuss the role and lifestyle of a Christian soldier. Remember that John was preaching repentance in all the country about Jordan, Luke 3.3. 3. Many classes of people went to him to be baptized, and he spoke to the multitudes, particularly the Pharisees and Sadducees, Matthew 3, verses 7 through 10, saying, O generation of vipers, who hath warned you to flee from the wrath to come? Bring forth therefore fruits worthy of repentance, and begin not to say within yourselves, We have Abraham to our father. For I say unto you, that God is able of these stones to raise up children unto Abraham. Luke 3, verses 7 through 8. After this, the people and the publicans asked John what fruits should be in their lives that would manifest that they could be baptized. To the people John said, He that hath two coats, let him impart to him that hath none, and he that hath meat, let him do likewise. Verses 10 and 11. Regarding the publicans, or tax collectors, John declared, Exact no more than that which is appointed you. Verse 13. Afterward, John answered the soldiers regarding their lifestyle. Notice that John did not say to the soldiers that they should get out of military service. He instructed them as to how they should live as a soldier to honor the Lord and manifest fruits of repentance. Three things were required. One, do violence to no man. Two, do not accuse any falsely. And three, be content with their wages. The Greek word for violence is only used here in the New Testament, though it is found in the Septuagint and in the ancient Greek. It means to shake thoroughly. I believe John Gill gave a good description of the meaning here. He said, quote, Or shake him or put him into bodily fear by threatening, hectoring, and bullying him, and drawing the sword upon him, which is usual upon the least offense. End of quote. 
The Greek word falsely is unique in that it is a combination of two words. One is the word for fig, and the other for to make known. It is used here where John tells the soldiers not to accuse anyone falsely, and again in Luke 19.8 when Zacchaeus says he would restore fourfold anyone whom he had taken from him by false accusation. A study of the origin of this word is worth the time, but lest we stray too far from our purpose, it is best, I believe, that we not do so at this time. However, the word came to mean to slander or accuse falsely. Our English word sycophant is described from this Greek word. Among the many definitions, sycophant carries the meaning and idea of a toady, leech, sponge, flatterer, or self-seeker, a parasite that applies to one who clings to a person of wealth, power, or influence, or is useless to society. The Greek Demosthenes described one as follows. He glides about the market like a scorpion with his venomous sting already spying out whom he may surprise with misfortune and ruin and from whom he can most easily extort money by threatening him with an action dangerous in its consequences. It is the bane of our society that it protects and cherishes this poisonous brood and uses them as informers so that even the honest man must flatter and court them in order to be safe from their machinations. End of quote. That is found in uh, Word Studies in the New Testament by Marvin R. Vinson, Volume 1, page 285. Again, allow me to quote from John Gill regarding this. He stated, quote, Or play the psychophant, who, in order to flatter some, bring malicious accusations against others, and which was a vice that too much prevailed among the Jewish soldiery, who either to curry favor with the Roman officers and governors would wrongfully accuse their fellow soldiers or countrymen to them, or in order to exhort sums of money from them, that they might live in a more luxurious manner than their common pay would admit of. End of quote. While we are reluctant to stop here while studying Luke 3.14, I believe it is best not to extend our session beyond our normal time limit. The Lord willing, we will continue this in our next broadcast. Farewell and God bless. Thank you for listening to today's edition of Baptist Perspective. We archive our episodes so you can go back anytime and listen again. Do you have a question about something you've heard or just want to let us know you're listening? Visit us at baptistperspective.wordpress.com. That's baptistperspective.wordpress.com. Thanks again for listening.